What's going on, guys? This episode of Drugs and Stuff, we got a bunch of topics lined up. There are timestamps below if you want to skip around. We start out talking about how to determine what compounds work best for you. Why do people start with tests only? Then how to determine what compounds to add from there. After that, we have your listener questions. If you guys want to take part in the next show, then definitely comment below. Plus, all your comments and your likes and all that stuff. It helps to boost our programming in the algorithm. You guys do a freaking great job at that, so thank you for your support. This week, we do a segment on insulin for beginners. Then what's the longest you've heard of somebody running Anadrol? Dosing frequency for sub-QTRT, building your first DecaCycle. Plus, we ask ChatGPT who Dave Crossland is. Sadly, Dave Crossland passed away on December 12, 2018 at the age of 43. <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch more. Like I said, guys, if you want to skip around, there's timestamps. Otherwise, sit back, enjoy the show, and thanks for tuning in. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. All of our programming is brought to you by you, the people of Patreon, because YouTube doesn't like us. We're also brought to you by SupplementSource.ca in Canada, Strom Sports Nutrition, for those of you in the UK, and we're brought to you by TrueNutrition.com. Use our code THINK for additional savings and Amino Asylum code THINK, but I can't give you the website to that. What's up, Dave? I right, missed you. YouTube loves me. It just doesn't like you. Mm, I don't my, all, think so. I don't think so. All my drug videos are still up there. None of them have been taken down. It's you. <laughs> you well, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Uh, regardless, we've got a fun topic today. We are going to talk about figuring out what compounds work best for you. Uh, before we got into that, though, I just wanted to catch up with you for a second. Um, of course, too, by the way, we have timestamps below if you want to skip around. And if you're new to our content, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell because we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. So, Dave, you have a Pillars of Strength, number one, that is already running. That's your online mm -hmm. education course where you give people mm -hmm. homework, you do Skype uh, videos with the group and stuff like that. It's How many weeks long is it? seven we've just done week one so if anyone I, I there is i never run these courses full um so there is a couple of spaces if somebody wants to jump on last minute okay uh they get the recordings of each week anyway so they can play catch up on a discount if they were joining partway through but the the topic we talking about today is actually covered in depth on the course Okay, well, so we've got that. And also, really quick, we'll talk about it later, but you're going to be at uh, FitX. There's going to be a big expo coming up in a, just a few weeks from now. What's the date on that? That's the 11th, well, the 12th, 13th, 14th of May. Okay. Uh, Manchester Expo Central. Uh, yeah, we got loads planned for that, but we'll, I'll cover that in a bit. All right, cool. So our topic today... How do we figure out what compounds work best for us? You know, everybody is completely individual and you hear it all the time. For anybody who's watched the podcasts long term, you'll hear one guy say, well, look at us, for instance. I love DQ when I was growing. You're a fan of DECA. DECA wasn't necessarily my thing. So, you know, how do we how do we discover what's the best compounds for us to make the best progress possible and stay I, as healthy as possible? I think the thing is what drugs do is pretty fixed. So the effects, see, we talk about drug side effects, and they're not really side effects, they're effects. We talk about estrogen being a side effect of testosterone. It's not. It's an effect of testosterone. Estrogen, testosterone will always convert to estrogen 
that always happens. You know, it's not something that only happens with certain people and not others. So I don't think that there's any difference in how the drugs interact or work in somebody. The difference is their individual position at that point or their tolerance to those effects. Yeah. So for argument's sake, uh, test converts to estrogen, but if you are a fat fuck like me, then that conversion is going to be much greater than if you're lean. Higher body fat, greater conversion to estrogen. Therefore, water retention estrogen can be more difficult to manage or can be a bigger problem for somebody if they're carrying high levels of body fat. Yeah. In the same aspect, fat has androgen receptors. So the fatter you are, the more of the gear that you take is going to end up bound in receptors in, in fat tissue. Hmm. And so you're going to get less effect from it. Uh, so there's all sorts of things like this that play into it, but the basic compounds do what they do. And the biggest problem is that people don't actually bother to learn what compounds do. There's no denying that DECA is a wonderful off-season drug, and it's a very effective drug for muscular growth. In fact, it's probably one of the best compounds for that. But there are mental impacts from DECA. Yeah. And not everybody gets on well with it. There are issues around prolactin with DECA, and some people can suffer and be very sensitive to that. But at the same time, Primo, very well-tolerated drug across the board, male and female, most people can cope with Primo very well. But that's because Primo is very mild in its effect. So you're not going to do Primo for an off-season and gain 20, 30 pounds of muscle in right. most instances. But as a muscle-preserving drug or as a lifestyle drug where you just want that little bit extra and you're not looking at being a big combative bodybuilder, it's a very good choice. Same again for females. It's a very good choice. Uh, and so it's it's not a case of that this drug is better than this drug. It's a case of what drug suits you, your circumstances, and your goal. And those factors for those circumstances are your composition, your goal, your personal tolerance to the effects of those drugs, and the element of health risk you're willing to take against the perceived reward from that. And, you know, there's a they, you could argue that what's better, doing three cycles of test primo or test and mast to gain 25 pound of muscle, or doing a cycle of test and DECA, be it higher dose, to gain effectively the same amount of muscle. Which is the harsher cycle, but for the short duration of time, or the milder cycle, but for the longer duration of time, which is the best one? That's really a personal choice. You know, it's all down to how much you want to risk from a point of view of health-wise and how much you're willing to tolerate from the, the negative effects of these drugs as to which works best for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with all of that. And some of it we can't know without experimenting right you know some of it we can't yes, know right, like right. hey how does deca work for me until i've actually tried it so i think the thought for me has always been to start with testosterone and then add compounds mm -hmm. in from there you know before i, mean, I jumped on three with... drugs you know before i'd start on one 
Well, the reason we use tests and we start with tests is because we make tests. So our bodies know what to do with it. Everything in our body is designed to cope with testosterone. So even at higher levels, the mechanisms are all there to manage it. Deca, Primo, Mast, all these other compounds, they're not natural for us. Yeah. So so our, our, our reaction to those drugs can be a bit more unknown, whereas our reaction to test is generally fairly stable in, in how it affects us. It's just in degrees of severity depending on dose and sensitivities. Yeah. So where where would we start then if, if say, we wanted to discover what compounds work best for us? Because I can tell you, after a number of years, I found for me personally, the things that worked the best were things like test and EQ. And then I found that Masteron was also for cutting. Masteron was like my go-to compound. I found, you know, I tried, I tried Primo. It just wasn't for me. I ended up getting more side effects from it. Even multiple brands. I got more hair loss, like just quick shedding. I got acne from it multiple times. But Masteron and Ethate, man, it was, it was the, the bee's knees, I could say. I think the first thing is you need to learn what the compounds do. Yeah, okay. So you need to learn how the compounds work. You need to look at the family grouping of the compounds. So is it an androlone? Is it a test base? Is it a DHT? Yeah. Once you've understood the basics of how the compounds work, then you can start to see if they apply to you. For argument's sake, a very obvious one, Trent. Yeah. Very powerful drug, very harsh drug. Uh, we know that has big impacts on anxiety. We know that has big impacts on mental health. If you are somebody that already has issues in those areas, that's probably a drug you want to leave alone as much as possible. Absolutely. And it it wouldn't be one I'd look to first. DECA lowers dopamine and as a result can cause depression-like aspects. So if you suffer with depression, you suffer with low mood. DECA may not be one you're looking to go for very early on. Or if, if sexual performance is very important to you and you're not willing to experiment around that, then again, DECA might not be a drug you want to start with early on. And then for you might go for the more tolerated compounds so it might be that after test your first secondary compound is primo you don't get on with that right well we can go for its stronger cousin let's have a look at mast still a dht still very much along that lines but a little rest refined a little bit heavier of it you see how you get on with that you know and then you've got those left curveball drugs like eq which is sort of halfway between a dht and halfway between a test compound so it doesn't quite sit in any family so you have those curveball drugs but generally eq is well tolerated i mean the main things with eq are the blood thickening and, and whether it kills or increases your appetite which seems to be a very personal response yeah <clears throat> but it's so you know it, it's a lot of it is it's like if i've got very high body fat I'm probably going to stay away from heavily aromatizing compounds. So I'm probably not going to look at men. It's not really going to be my thing as a bodybuilder. Slightly different if you're looking for strength, but as a bodybuilder, I'm probably going to stay away from men because management is going to be difficult if I'm fat. Especially like out the uh, gate. If we're trying to figure out compounds and like where we're going to start at, I mean, men would be, men would be with like 
trend for me. Trend and mm. Halo, those are those are like, you know, way down the road. I think everybody nowadays is pretty well versed in the idea of getting the most out of the least, you know? I still think mm. that's a good idea. So I would I would save those strong, strong drugs for later. You know, for me, I'd probably just start with to see what test did, right? You know what I mean? I'd well, start yeah, there. I mean, uh- I think once you've established your response to test, then when you're moving to your second, yeah, primo's a very safe bet. Master's a little bit stronger, but still relatively well tolerated across the board. You you would then start to question, well, am I going to get hair loss? Is that an issue for me? Do I care? Some people don't give a fucking shit at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've never given a shit about hair loss. It's never bothered me in the slightest, but then I've never given a shit about water retention anyway. That's never bothered me in the slightest. When did you start shaving your head? Prison. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That'd be a good time to start, right? Well, I was starting to bold as well, so it was just like I'd done it a few times before, but I'd been a bit back and forth with it. And then when I was I was actually physically getting to the point where I was starting to develop a bald patch, it was like, oh, bollocks, so I just took it all off. Yeah, sorry, sorry, uh, just random random side question there. Do you, you so you think so, Mast or Primo would be like your second compound to try? I would probably say Mast, Primo, Mast, EQ would be the next three on the line that I think are going to be the easiest to manage from effects point of view yeah um yeah and then after that i think you are starting to you're going to be looking at probably mpp or deca as you toe dip into nandrolones um with with the compounds your your test base and your dht base do have sort of similar traits in how they act but when it comes to nandrolone, every one of the three compounds in that family, so nandrolone as in decanate or, or MPP, because it's just the same drug, yeah. men and uh, tren, are very unique in, in how they act. You know, the, the, there are some core values, but there's also a lot of stuff that just isn't, is very individual to that drug. Yeah. Um, whereas the DHTs have a general compact, you know, core value of how they operate. And your test base have a general core value of how they operate. Yeah, I, I would think too. For me, like you had mentioned, one of the one of the th- one of the things you would want to consider is what your goals were. I think for me, I'm just thinking out loud here. You know, I know a lot of people are doing like the test mast thing or the test primo thing, and then adding another compound to that. You know, I wouldn't have a problem with not even with foregoing that, right? And say like my first cycle was test only, maybe I did 350 or 400 milligrams or whatever. I could see, say like you did 400 tests and then you're like, hey, my goal is to grow as much muscle as possible. I could see cycle number two being add in 300 milligrams of NP, or excuse me, of uh, EQ. I could see that being a great cycle, not using either Primo or Masteron in combo. You're not getting as many. No, obviously, you'd get more milligrams if you started adding in. Well, let's add in 300 masterons so I could protect myself from estrogen and not have to use one of those horrible AIs. But now we're getting it, you know, 600 milligrams plus the 300. Now we're going on almost a gram a gear. You know, over, yeah, it would be a gram a gear. Yeah, I mean, Mast and Primo are, are handy in that they do offer some estrogen management as well as a secondary anabolic. Right. But. AIs aren't this devil that everybody's made them out to be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the big 
negatives of running DHTs is it absolutely destroys your lipid profile. Yeah, it can, can't it? They tra- they, they, oh, they, they fucking trash it. So what's worse? Say running for argument's sake, 700 milligram a test. Okay. And dealing with the potential inflammation side of that uh, and obviously having to manage the estrogen and then the prostate impacts and the potential renal impacts that come from that or running 300 tests and 400 mass and whichever one will go, oh, yeah, that's a much safer cycle. But is it? Because you're going to run 12 weeks with absolutely abhorrent lipid values. Yeah, and it comes down to the individual, right? You know, that yeah, was so another one of the points you made. Somebody might be fine with that. And then somebody else who's like, hey, I just, any, you know where it would be a really, I could see like, hey, that makes total sense. I've seen people that have like a really tough time managing estrogen, be it that they convert more or be it that they have a harder time clearing. A lot of times I think it has to do with having a harder time clearing estrogen so it pools up. And and no matter what they do, you know, like they're taking supplements and everything else and it's still an issue, then maybe for that guy in particular, it'd be like, hey, it sounds like it would make more sense to use the test and mass combo, whereas say like a guy doesn't have any issues at all. I bet you could get more more growth out of the test. Yeah, and it, it's that's the whole point. It's about picking the tool for the job. Right. right. Based on what you want to achieve and your personal circumstances. Yeah. Like you said, I mean I I know somebody <clears throat> who not only has incredibly high test levels off a low dose because he doesn't clear it very well, he has the same problem with estrogen. So he can run ridiculously low to 200 mega tests and have an NMOL value in excess of 100 because his body does not metabolize the drug. Hmm. And it's the only salute, only answer there is because he's done lots of blood testing on various dosings and it's always the same. Test is super high on low dose. Estrogen is super high on low dose. He just doesn't metabolize the compounds. So for him, his cycles are incredibly low. And for most people, about well, you can't grow on that. Well, he does because the 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 buildup of the volume of anabolic, you know, in his bloodstream is huge. Yeah. And at All the right. same time, I've seen people that clear drugs rapid, very rapid, and therefore have to run much higher doses than the average person because they're clearing it out so quickly. Hmm. All right, let's move on because we do have a bunch of listener questions. We had been away for a couple of weeks. Yeah. By the way, I reached out to Dave, and I was like, I was like, Dave, uh, I know I'm on vacation, but I, I really, I want to make this podcast happen. I'll make myself available to record with you on Tuesday. And Dave said, I can't do it. So Dave said, actually, you told me, you were like, I'll see if I can rearrange my schedule. I totally thought you were joking when you said that. You really had something planned, though, didn't you? Yeah, because you said to me we weren't recording, <laughs> so I had made arrangements. I'm, I had a busy week last week. I mean, we were in London for two days doing drug testing for a boxing event. Oh, no kidding. That's cool. Mm. Huh. Mm. Yeah, I, I figured I had the time. I don't even know whether my internet connection would have been strong enough, but I was like, eh, figure we try, you know. But I thought you were joking. You're like, well, I'll see if I can rearrange my schedule. And uh, I thought oh, you no. were Gen- I thought you were kidding no. when you said that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, generally busy. Question here. Um, what's the longest you've seen someone running Anadrol on a strength cycle? So... 
I do know of an individual that ran Adderall for years, uh, uh, hundred milligrams. He he did end up with severe liver problems, but he was mm-hmm. on orals. I think he was two hundred milligrams plus a day for literally two three years. Jesus. Um, now I know of someone who's prescribed Anadrol uh, for anemia, and he's run fifty milligrams a day for the last four or five years. Okay. How often does he have to go uh, in to get his bloods done? Uh, I'm not sure. It'll be. I, I, I'm guessing every three to six months. Okay. I know here in the U.S. there are some medications that are super hepatoxic. Um, I'm thinking like uh, just out the gate, I can think of like Accutane, um, lithium, and that they will have people check like literally every month or two because, you know, there is they just need to keep an eye on it because those things, they, they know that well, they are going to be harsh, but it's not unmanageable. They do it with me. They change my blood pressure meds. Oh, do they? Um, and, and they were checking my my uh, renal function literally twice a week. Oh, wow. Uh, I, they put me on an ARB. They basically put me on a form until it's mine, and it absolutely destroyed my kidneys. So they took me straight back off again. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, any, any drug medically that has contras, those contras will be monitored depending... And as, as it moves forward, if those contras don't show themselves, then they start to space out the testing further and further and further apart. Yeah. I mean, but really yeah, could, he's, he's, you could stay safe on, if you're doing labs, right? So, uh, I mean, but, I, I wouldn't just say like, okay, Dave and Scott said, you know, two years or eight weeks or six weeks or four weeks is the limit. You know, I'd, I'd well, go by the individual, meaning if you're going to run it, after a period of time, get your labs done and see, hey, am I okay to keep running this, right? I, I don't like the word safe. I, I think yeah. because I don't think any drug use is safe. But I think there is risk management, and that risk management is based around your personal perception of the reward from that risk management. Yeah. Um, and I know that sounds a bit wordy and a bit hippie bullshit, but it, it's true. You know, you anadrol is not safe. But yeah. at the same time, that the risk can be managed, but you need to be aware of the risk. Um, and, and, yeah, you know, it's all right. Well, I can take 50 milligrams of Anatrol a day for six months and have no problem. The guy next to me might take it for four weeks and have liver enzymes through the absolute roof. Yeah, But then exactly. again, he, he may also be taking antibiotics or he may also be drinking alcohol every weekend. So you, Or just predisposed. I've always... Yeah, there's, so there's all sorts of influencing factors here on, one, the genetics of your liver tolerance, two, your lifestyle as well on top of that. I mean, I've always been a believer in pick your poison and make sure there's only one of them. Yeah. You know, your, your body will put up with a lot, but it won't deal with lots of different poisons at once. So choose your poison and, and limit your exposure to it. And it's as simple as that. You know, anabolics are... Have have some negative impacts on our bodies. So does alcohol. So does smoking. So do all these things. And you just don't want to have a combination of those things going on at once. No, I um, haven't. But at the, Go ahead. the same. Sorry, at the same time, you can't guess this shit. You you need to check. And, and when it's measurable markers that you can check, then you should be doing. 
Yeah, I remember reading the insert for EPO. And EPO is not something that I ever use in bodybuilding. I've known two bodybuilders who have used it. Um, one was to get like additional volumizing effect going into a contest. Um, he needed his legs to be as volumized as possible. They were always his issue. And this is before they gave out a ton of pro cards. Um, and he was working with a high level coach that everybody would know his name. Um, and they used EPO for the last three weeks going into a contest. But reading that insert, um, the, the, I remember reading that they would do lab work almost like every day, that they would use EPO in a hospital setting and that there was no like black and white as to how much somebody would tolerate. They would literally dose it off of what the results were on the previous labs. Hmm. So, so this is my argument with a lot of the buzz drugs. I, I have nothing against people using them, but be aware of the contras and monitor those. Yeah, exactly. You could so you could use them safely, you know? You could use EPO safely if you were in the right setting. But how many people, like I know these guys, they weren't doing daily lab work, you know? No, I mean, you've got to be realistic and practical as well uh, at the end of the day, but again, that's down to your personal choice. I mean, I abused the living shit out of gear and I screwed myself over doing it. But that was the risk I was willing to take for the reward I perceived I was going to gain. Um, and I wouldn't change that even now. Retrospectively, looking back, I'd still have done exactly the same thing. All right. So we didn't. neither of us saw Steve's video. But um, he says, uh, let's see, got a question for the next podcast. I'm really hoping that you guys could go into a short insulin for beginners segment. Vigorous Steve's recent videos describing the use of low-dose anabolics with low-dose insulin and low-dose HGH has me curious, especially in a harm reduction context, by eliminating the use of huge quantities of gear. Um, would you guys provide your thoughts on his claims? How would you, you, how would you implement a, quote, safe use of quick-acting insulin for a first-timer? There's that word we don't like, safe. <laughs> um yeah apart from that word um i think like a the, so there are certain compounds within our arsenals that have possibly unfounded reputations for risk and i think insulin is one of them you're hard pressed to kill yourself using insulin however and going hypo in its own right, though not the pleasant experience, is unlikely to do any real damage to you. It will damage you on the circumstances in which you go hypo, i.e. operating some heavy equipment, going hypo. Yeah, that can end up with some very severe consequences. You know, driving a fast car, going hypo, again, can again end up with severe consequences. But the actual hypo itself yeah. doesn't have a huge amount of risk to you. Yeah. Um, having said all that, I'm not a fan of slow-acting insulin, um, but that part of that's potentially due to the sort of people I generally work with. I don't have a huge number of competitive bodybuilders, so the large number of my client base is going to be sort of pleasure bodybuilders, lifestyle, stroke. So I've got a few guys that compete. 
but they're, they're not looking to make pro cars. They're just looking to enjoy what they do and have a good time. Yeah. Um, now, if you're very regimented with your meals, then a baseline insulin has some merit. But I prefer to use fast-acting, low-dose around meals. That way, if they don't eat or they miss a meal, I'm not concerned with there being a shitload of insulin in there that's got no food to work with. Uh, and therefore, obviously, driving BG low. So you only take your slim when you have a meal. Then that way, the two regulate each other quite nicely. And, and yeah, I, I am a fan of, uh, I think, low-dose slim, time correctly, i.e. a couple of IU with a meal, will not so much have this huge anabolic effect that insulin seems to have this, this law around, but it will help you push food in. It will help keep you nice and insulin-sensitive. Uh, and you will find you make better use of the nutrient you're consuming. And it looks like my internet's gone the way of my old one. Um, oh, you still look good over here. All right. It's looking shit at my end. Um, that you will find you make better use. Uh, and it just it, it becomes a synergy. It becomes a complementary concoction. Yeah. So a low dose of anabolics, very good, strong, effective training, good nutritional partitioning with the insulin, being able to push that little bit more food through than you would naturally, all that together ends up with better recovery and therefore faster growth. So low-dose insulin, what what's low-dose dosing-wise? Three units? I, five units? Yeah, two to three. Yeah, okay. two to three. I don't like this so many carbs per IU format. I much prefer, it's a bit Heath Robinson, but I much prefer start with two. Have your food where you need it to be, yeah. based on where you are, body type, mass, what you're trying to achieve. And then you can tweak the insulin dosage, small step by small step, along with your diet, rather than saying, well, I'm going to take X amount of IU, so I have to consume X amount of carbs. Yeah. Because you know, I was just, keeping, that's just a recipe for getting fat. I was keeping insulin pretty low <coughs> uh, with guys for a number of years, like at least four, four or five years. Um, two to three, working up to four to five, maybe six at the most. And honestly, um, I'm starting to move back toward pushing it a little higher than I was before. Still around training, like pre-workout insulin, not crazy, but like, you know, eight units, somewhere like that. Like I hadn't used eight in some time. I just, I, I, I feel like it, I think it does help those low doses, but I want to, I think that there is something to be said about about I mean there is something to be said about dose equaling effect. And obviously there is oh, much, yeah. you know, there is more you have to consider like your likelihood of going hypo at 8 units is going to be higher, but if you have the carbs to cover it, you're good, you know. And and I I have been seeing the results that I've wanted from that. I think the key is is um frequency. You know, it's not something we're constantly doing. It's not something that's happening multiple times a day or even every day. You know, but compared to the way that it used to be run, I do think it was more dangerous then. Like for the newer guys here, you hadn't been on the Internet maybe 15 years ago when most guys wouldn't even discuss insulin. Do you remember that, Dave? Like online, nobody would even talk about insulin whatsoever. And I think part of that was because they didn't want to feel um, morally um, responsible for somebody getting gravely hurt because you still can you know you still can 
have issues, like especially somebody who makes mistakes. I've uh, more than once I've heard stories of people thinking that ten units was all the way back, which was actually you know a hundred units. I've heard that more than once, or. I can't remember how many units it was, but Fuad told a story on our podcast and it's just bodybuilding where he was loading for a show and before bed, he was supposed to take 10, I think it was 10 units of growth. And he had another syringe with an equal amount of insulin in it. And it was a big shot. It was a big shot of insulin. He, he had them both drawn back because he was traveling or something. I can't remember why, but he mistook it. He took the wrong shot and you know went to sleep. And ended up landing him in the hospital the day before the show. Crazy story of him still like he literally went to the show in his hospital pants. He they told him he could he you know he shouldn't leave, but he still like no shoes, just hospital pants. Went to the check ins for the pro show in his hospital pants. Got a cab, went straight to check in. Um, so there's that. I remember Milos told a story of doing the same thing, mistaking his he thought it was his growth, but it was his insulin, and he took that shot and got on a plane. Did you ever hear that story? No, but I mean, I know Milos. I mean, I've worked with Milos, and I know he likes um, high dose around a workout window. I'm not a big fan of. of uh, I prefer low dose with meals throughout the day, personally. But uh, uh, the high dose, the high dose protocols around the around the workout window work very, very well if you want to look big for a very short period of time without a huge impact on your condition. It's highly volumizing. The, yeah, the, the the glycogen supercompensation with that and the water, intramuscular water supercompensation with that is huge. And if you look back, actually, at Rich Piana's old videos, he discusses this about his GH and insulin protocol pre-expo. Yeah. And how he would come into an expo a good 20, 30 pounds bigger than he really was Yeah, based on that loading, and then he'd stop afterwards and just drop it all off again. Yeah. Because it's and- just water and glycogen. And for him, he was such a big guy. He had like, because of the big muscles, it's like having big compartments, right? So he could hold 20, 30 pounds. Like you probably could hold a ton, you know, when you were at your biggest, you could probably fluctuate up uh, 20 pounds. I mean, you did, <laughs> you know, you without trying. 50. That's crazy, 50. man. I mean, not in a good 50. It wasn't all in the muscle, right? No, no, it wasn't the best 50, but I, I, I probably... 30, 40 pound of um, loading. Yeah, it doesn't surprise right me. That doesn't surprise me. And I think you. that's where the, the are oh, this, you know, insulin's this miracle drug that makes you grow massive has come from. It's that super compensation loading that you see people in where yeah. they look full and huge, but don't actually look to have lost a great deal of condition. I mean, if insulin could do that in the way that we used to think it could, then we'd be seeing 400 pound bodybuilders on stage. Yeah. They're guys so, that are, you know, I haven't, I don't, I haven't seen it myself, but Andrew was telling me about somebody who uses really high insulin with his clients and the guys will go up 50 plus pounds in the off season. And then it's like, Oh my, you know, they're, they're looking huge on Instagram, but then when they diet down, they're like two pounds heavier than when they started than the last show, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that, and that's effectively what happens, and it makes that comp prep super, super hard. Don't get yeah. me wrong, if you earn your living out of looking big, wonderful tool for that. Yeah. But you want to grow and grow consistently, big fan of the small dose with meals, and I think that works really well. Um, I, have a, <coughs> I have a client that started with me at 75, 79 kilo, 
Okay. Uh, we couldn't get we couldn't get weight on him. We struggled to get food in him, uh, and we struggled and we struggled. And and he was he was gaining weight, but in the first two years, I think we put probably 10, 12 kilo on. Okay. We're now looking at hit hundred. We're now looking at hitting one hundred and twenty kilo this year in in the same condition. No kidding. And the difference the difference has been two three. Are you a slim with every meal? Nice. That's it. That's been the only change. Yeah. So I that and like I said, that's about what I've been doing for at least four or five years, um, exclusively. And now I've been pushing it up a little higher to like that six, seven, eight to see, well, how much more can I get before crossing that line? You know what I mean? Before crossing that line where it's it's no longer beneficial. And that's not eight per meal. That's just, you know, eight like in a pre-workout state. And usually, you know what? I've always liked, I've always thought I liked the real fast acting like um, Humalog. But if you're using something like a Humalin R, that's going to cover you and you take that pre-workout. I mean, that's going to be long enough that that will cover you pre-workout intra-workout, post-workout, and post-post-workout. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, you, you, there's, there's some elevation for nigh on nearly 12 hours. Yeah, so you're going to get good benefit yeah. out of, say, an eight-unit shot of Humulin R taken with your pre-workout meal all the way through the next few meals, you know? Hmm. I mean, the thing is, with the low dose, if you say you'd start it with AM, but a time you get to the back end of the day you've actually got a lot more active in your system than what you've just had with that meal oh sure you mean if you're taking two 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 or three three yeah. three yeah. yeah that you're gonna get yeah. a compounding effect i agree all right yeah. let's see if we can get through a couple more of these here and for some reason our comments aren't showing up but we have a lot of people that are commenting um, while i find the next one i'll ask you this question off of uh facebook uh, David Alexander says, um, I have a question. What's Dave's favorite scotch? Totally off topic. Ooh, you know, yeah, you know what? I actually bought, um, there's a new one um, I bought at the weekend called, is it Lakeside? It's actually a, a distillery in, in the lakes, Lake Windermere area. Um, okay. And it, it was a limited edition one, so I bought it as a bit of a punt on an investment bottle. Um, my favorite every day is Hibiki Masters Blend. What's Harmony. so great about this particular one? It's just I, a, I don't drink. It's just a really so whiskey. The 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 flavor in whiskey can can range massively. You've got your Lafroig at one end, which they call PT. I call it TCP. It's just like drinking medicine. It's like medically tasting. It's fucking awful. Yeah. The shit should be burnt. There's no reason for it to exist on the planet. Um, through to sort of really mild, really smooth. And then you can have a sweeter taste if it's aged in sherry caskets or you get oak caskets, gives it a different flavor. So there's all sorts of different things. Habiki is really smooth. It's quite light. It's got quite a citrus to it. Uh, and I just find it a really pleasant and enjoyable drink. Uh, unfortunately, it's getting more expensive as it's got more popular well we'll um, have to we'll have to get a code for that use code dave <laughs> doug myers on uh facebook group asks uh sub q trt daily dosing bi-weekly weekly what do you guys think i would go bi-weekly bi-weekly hmm. one thing i found is that 
the larger the volume of the shot, the more subcute irritation you get. You know what I mean? True. True. There is there is always going to be a balance off, but in a TRT, I just don't think if you're using a 300 meg or 250 meg test, yeah, um, you, you're only going to be doing 0.2 of a mil twice a week probably anyway. So it's not going to be huge doses. Yeah, I I, I do find the issue with week with daily is that you do seem to see an increased clearance. Um, so you end up using a little bit more, but the other thing is when you stop, your levels drop very, very quick. Okay. Um, I think here, I'll, I'll I mean, tell you I know what. with TRT, you're not, you're not planning on stopping, but I, I have seen levels plummet now, within seven days of people that inject very, very frequently. And I'm assuming, cause most people are going to be injecting intramuscular. That's going to hit you rapidly. I found with sub Q, it took much longer for my levels to build. Um, and yes, I was doing there's that, there's that as well, yeah. daily or every other day shots. So I wonder if that would have an effect on how fast you cleared it. Cause it's, you know what I mean? It's like more of a trickle in versus, I don't know. The, my understanding um, is that the more stable the blood plasma, the, the, the more regulation of clearance you get. Yeah. And because sub-Q, effectively, you're filtering the gear through fat, which slows everything down. Yeah. As a result, those levels are very stable, and that results in an rate of clearance. Less blood With flow. IM, you get this you get this 24-hour peak, and then it comes back down, in, and you get quite a sharp drop-off initially, and then the curve levels out a bit more as it comes back down into its half-life. Um, that peak and irregularity keeps clearance where you would expect it to be. Yeah. Um, you know about lab work, Dave. Why don't we bring this one up for you? This would be a good one. I for know you. nothing about lab work. No. Um, what's the importance of lipoprotein A testing? My doctor added it to my next blood panel. Um, can you please explain it? Are there ways to lower your number? Um, have you had this test done yourself? Keep up the good work. No, I haven't, and I can't explain it either. I know it has to do with uh, risk for heart attacks. It, so. it is, yeah. It's, it's. I can't remember. The honest truth is I just can't remember. Okay. Um, I, I will, without doubt, brush up and, and let you know next week. But, and I know there'll be somebody watching that can, can reel this off the top of the head. No yeah, I know that it 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 has to do with um like telling you if you have a higher risk for heart attacks and maybe stroke as well. Yeah, I just can't remember what it is. Uh, and you know the thing is, I I only had a conversation actually with Cuba about this probably two three weeks ago, because um, we were discussing. See, there's there's some studying and some question now as to whether keeping HDL elevated is as necessity as we think it is for cardiovascular health. Yeah. And there's some argument, and there's a few studies that support this that show that reduced HDL thing is they're not in people using anabolics, but that the reduced HDL wasn't has impacting on cardiovascular risk, risk as first thought. 
Really? Okay. The, the other argument is that the impact is much more based around HDL levels in conjunction with estrogen levels. Now, we know estrogen has a made positive effect on lipids. Ah. Um, and we know estrogen helps lipids. So the argument is that low estrogen and low HDL does increase your risk quite significantly. My argument is that until it's conclusive, I would rather stay on the high HDL bandwagon because if I'm wrong, there's no harm. Yeah. If if I'm not, if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong about the low HDL being not as impacting as we think it is, then there is harm. So I would rather go the opposite route for now until it's more conclusive. But we were having discussion and we've got into the lipoproteins A and all that shit. And, and for some reason, my brain's just gone blank with it. Yeah, yeah, I would rather be safe. I would rather be safe than sorry and try to keep the HDL high. Same thing with, like, uh, you know, the niacin, uh, flushing niacin raises your HDL levels, but that by raising your HDL levels with flushing niacin doesn't mean that you're going to have any better of a chance of of living longer. Mm. So Mm. I'd still, I'd take it, you know what I mean? I'd take it if I needed to. Yeah, there, there, there's. I mean, I still, I still chant the HDL, keep the HDL up argument, uh, but I do that alongside the keep your estrogen in a healthy place as well. Yeah. Um, but I said there is, there is even from the whatever it is, Heart Association in America, even their own stats sort of show that the low HDL wasn't significant raising heart risk. But this is low HDL. It's not in, you know, it's not in anabolic steroid users. It's definitely not in people using DHTs. Yeah. With with abhorrent estrogen levels. So um, I do think that there's a lot more research needs to be done on that. But uh, it is interesting um, that there's there's now this this potential that, that HDL didn't quite work the way we thought it did. Hmm. All right, one from Patreon, Chris, and uh, he says, um, I'm looking to try out Nandrolone for the first time. I've only done test uh, plus EQ, test only, and test plus Masteron before. Uh, Test and Masteron being my favorite so far. I want to see how my body likes Nandrolone in terms of dosing, response, and side effects. Do you think it is reasonable to start with just test and Nandrolone so I can isolate what the Nandrolone is doing more easily? Or it uh, add it as a third compound to test and mast and see how they all work together? I like John Jewett's framework of test plus Masteron or Primo as a primary compound's um, and then using nandrolone as a third compound when needed. But I also see the benefits of just doing test in nandrolone to start out so I can see specifically how nandrolone does. I'll say in his case, man, he already knows he could build from here. In my opinion, he's not adding anything else new other than, so he knows what test and mass does. If he wanted to do test mass and then add the nandrolone in, you know, I, I think he could still get a really good read on it, don't you? Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any particular best way with this. If if he's aware of how he copes with test and mast, then adding nandrolone into that isn't going to be an issue. If he just wants to go test and just add nandrolone, that's not going to be an issue. Obviously, with the DHT in there, you've got that estrogen management, but and you also have um, 
some potential help with the DHN side from from the Lander line. So the DHT is not a, a a bad shout in keeping it in, but at the same time, you know, what I mean, there's there's a generation of bodybuilders that grew on Test and Decker. Um, so there's not necessarily going to be any problems on that front. It, it all depends, I suppose, on. You may find that test and nandrolone isn't tolerated as well as test mast and nandrolone together. I think is what I'm trying to say here. Yep, but I you would won't think so know. Too. But you won't know until you try it, uh, and that's a simple thing. You know, you, you won't know until you try it. I mean, I've run Decker stupidly high, yeah, uh, and I always got on great with it. I know other people that struggle with it. I know people that have real mental health problems around Decker. That's a case where uh, I would like to test and mask with, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I don't think it's always necessary. I think that's a case that I would like to test and mask with Nandrolone for myself, you know, personally. There is there is no pharmacological or science, in my opinion, reason why you can't run just test and decker. There is no pharmacological reason why you have to have mast in a cycle or you have to have primo in a cycle. It has its benefits. But it has its drawbacks. And we go back to the earlier conversation of a drug does X, Y, Z. It all depends whether you want that X, Y, Z as to whether you use it or not. Um, if you're limited in your total milligram, then you maybe better start with just test and decker and see how it goes. Um, at the end of the day, you're trying to work out your tolerance of the drug. Yeah. So a single exposure with a test base is going to give you a much accurate reading of how well you tolerate an androlone than having an androlone with test and mass. I will if say you this. know you tolerate an with test on its own very well, then you know you're going to tolerate it with mass better. Yeah. And I, I think that the higher the test is with DECA, the more, um, the more footwork it might take to control the cycle. You know what I mean? Like the higher the test, I, the more conversion, the higher your estrogen, the more interaction with DECA. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 for some strange reason, and I've never got to the bottom as to why, I find that people tolerate DECA when it's higher much better than they tolerate when it's lower. And I've huh. seen people run a 300 test to a three 400 Nandrolone and have problems. But when they put Nandrolone up at 800 to the yeah. same amount of tests, they've had no problems. Yeah. It's wild. It, and it is, there's some, there's, there's, there's definitely something that happens at the higher dose of Deca that makes it less impacting for a lot of people, but not everybody. Yeah. Uh, but it's, as this is, is, is literally a fact finding mission. I don't think you can go wrong either way because you are trying to find out your tolerance of that drug. So if you're doing that, then I'd start with just test and underline. And if you find that doesn't work very well for you, then add the mask in and see how you feel with that. This guy has posted this question multiple times. I've responded to him at least twice. I don't think he reads the responses. He says, um, you ever, uh, would you ever consider doing a small talk on esterified DHT? It's legendary, but increasingly hard to source. Thanks. My response to him was, I don't know anybody who has ever used it. I've spoke to Dave. We have talked about never using it, I believe. I spoke to Skip and Andrew. Neither of them have used it either. So that in itself to me is the answer. I, I have not heard 
anything class as legendary around Estefan DHD. There you go. <coughs> All right, we got enough time um, for a couple more, maybe. So let's see if I can find a good one here. Oh, another just comment here. Uh, yesterday, my coworker, just a regular suburban dad, white collar professional type, told me that Chat GPT told him to take Trin, completely unprovoked, and that's how I know the world is ending soon. Are you familiar with Chat GPT, Dave? I, I am. I had a little demo from Mr. Foster the other week when he popped oh, up. Um, yeah? I was actually quite impressed with it. It's pretty scary, isn't it? It's. It, he asked it to write a 500-word uh, piece about me. It did, really? And it knew uh, who you were? I, and it was surprisingly good. Yeah, It I mean, knows it, who it you are. Super sp- yeah, yeah. Really? It doesn't know who anybody it, else on the network is, Dave. That means that you must be... It, a celebrity. I'm more famous. Uh-huh. It, it talked be. about it talked about under construction. It talked Holy about the shit. films. It talked about who. It talked about the harm reduction stuff. Yeah, it was. It was. It was actually surprisingly good. I was quite impressed. That's mind blowing. I'm trying to go there now. Um, let's see. I'll have to do it in my own personal time, I guess, because it's making me log in again and stuff. Oh wait, here it is. Let's see if I can do this right now. Um, he pays for he. I don't know if it's he pays for it, so he pays X amount a month to have access to it. So let's see, who is Dave Crossland? I think you may have to put the steroid element to it because there's a cartoonist called Dave Crossland. Oh, okay. It's not giving me anything yet. Oh wait, wait, no! Holy shit, Dave Crossland is a pretty Brit. Wait, hold on, I'm just gonna. Uh, wait. Holy shit! Oh Oh my god, Dave. Oh my god, you gotta read this. You gotta read this. This is the story of Dave Crossland. Dave Crossland was a British bodybuilder, author, and coach who was known for his knowledge and expertise in the health field in the field of health, fitness, and bodybuilding. He was also known <laughs> as a regular contributor to several fitness and bodybuilding magazines and websites. He authored several books in bodybuilding nutrition. Crossland was also known for his use of performance enhancing drugs, PEDs, and his advocacy for the safe and responsible use. He was an outspoken critic of the steroid stigma that surrounded PEDs, and he worked to educate athletes and fitness enthusiasts about the proper use of professional uh, potential risks associated with these substances. Sadly, Dave Crossland passed away on December 12th, 2018 at the age of 43. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's got me age wrong. Uh, <laughs> Holy shit. Did something happen on December 12th, 2018? No. I'd say there is another day. So there is another Dave Crossland as a cartoonist, uh, but I don't think that's him. I don't think that's him. No, like I think this is you, man. I think he's got it a bit mixed up. But yeah, the one I saw was so much more accurate than that. Well, I just said who is Dave Crossland. I didn't say write a essay on him. I could I could have done that, and it would have given me more detail. So have have you have you got access to that sort of just free? Because Rick had to pay something like sixteen, seventeen pound a month to use it. Um. Yeah, it, it's it's open source. Chat GPT. Just search for that, and I'm going to screencast. Yeah, but I'm, this. I'm just I'm I'm just wondering if there's there's like a watered down version of it and a more. 
No, it's open source. So whatever he's paying for, I don't know what what kind of extra benefits he's getting, but everybody else who's using it, they, maybe it does certain things, but like I could say write a report on Dave Crossland and then I could say make it longer, add a, you know what I mean, and it will do all those things. So I don't yeah, know what he's got. He, he, he was very accurate. He spoke about the films and everything. Yeah, so you said write an essay, right, or or something like that. He asked it to write a five hundred word piece on me. Yeah. Yeah, I just said, "Who is Dave Crossland?" Mm, but I'm dead. So there we go. Yeah. Let's see here. Um, yeah. Let's see if I can if if I put um, make it longer. Uh, it's working. We'll we'll do it another time. But that blows my mind. Anyway, let's see if we can take one more question here. Um, actually, while I find it, Dave, uh, there was something here about uh not a trick question you can answer this one while i find our last question here um not a trick question both of you is it important uh both are important um but it leads wait a second what's more important water or protein it's not a trick question because both is important but it leads on the lack of water being thought of as very important to new people starting out. So what is more important, uh, water or protein, Dave, to growing muscle? And it's, I guess you need water to survive. But is he saying like... Well, I was going to say, you, you won't die. You won't die with low protein, but you'll fucking die with no water. Yeah. Um, that's a very odd question. I can't quite get my head around what he's asking. I, the other thing is water's free, so why would it be an issue? I could see there being a question about which do I prioritize if I had a budget to deal with, but you're not paying for water in most parts. It comes out of taps. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm a bit confused on that. But uh, as a basic necessity, I would say water is more important. Uh Water has a huge amount of health impacts. It also has performance impacts. Uh, stuff like muscle tears are at much greater risk with, with low water. Your strength will be much greater if you're properly hydrated, etc., etc., etc. But obviously, protein is the, the base form of building blocks for, for muscle and repair. Yeah. I guess if you were to have... Confused with that. Yeah. I, I guess maybe what if he means like a large amount of... You know, like maybe you're drinking the same amount, like say like you take a normal person and they're like, okay, we got to change your diet. Which would you add more of more water or more protein? I guess it depends on how much water you're drinking in the beginning. Sorry, Andrew. Yeah. It's, it's sorry, Andrew. That that's a bit confusing. I need some clarification there. All right. Last one from Danny. He says, um, Hey guys, love the show. Question for the next podcast. I'm 20. I'm a 25 year old experienced user. Um, I'm writing um, what you guys think of my next cycle for off season. 600 test, 600 deca, 12 weeks to 16 weeks. Wondering if and when I could or should add anadrol or D ball in for how long. And then he says also uh, for my girlfriend, she's done Anavar. Um, I want her to try Anadrol. As I've heard, its virilization is slim to none, and I think she could benefit from that. So my question is, is Anadrol good for women? And if so, uh, what would you recommend for dosage? 
And would pairing that with Anivar be a good idea or pointless? I'm going to tell him, don't, like, she sounds like she probably has very little experience, first of all. Anadrol the, the is, thing is, uh, go on. Not a go-to, it's not a go-to steroid for females. You might find people, like, I remember we talked about it recently, Dave, and you're like, I've used Anadrol with females, but you'd said it's, like, not something you do regularly. And, it, it I mean, I, I would I'm I would be very concerned about side effects with such a strong steroid in females. I would never use it. In fact, I've never heard of anybody using it for physiques. I find anadrol particularly well tolerated by females. You're only looking at very low dose, 10 milligrams, but it's a drug, of course. Um, it's not a drug I'd go to particularly for an off-season muscle-building role with females um but very very nice in the strength arenas so for um, someone who was a, that, maybe a power lifter power lifter, strong woman that sort of stuff it, it's it, because of its progesterone base it, it it seems to work very very well with the, the female hormone profile um and that's where some women get into trouble with anavar because it, it's a dht and it's not really within their chemical remit so their body struggles to deal with it to some extent. And I know Victoria spoke about negative impacts of Anavar with females, and females not getting on with Anavar at some length. Um, regards his cycle, I'm not so keen on running that 16 weeks, but I'd definitely like to see it nearer the 12. Yeah. Um, I'd have no issue with androdrol or debo I, I personally as you i've spoken numerous times i like orals at the end not at the beginning uh i think debo would probably be a little bit of an estrogen headache whereas i think the oxys would be a little bit easier to, to deal with yeah i would he had a follow-up too saying uh he said that he thought that uh that would be a great idea for her and then he also said um uh, primo versus masteron for females dosing in length if so reason i ask is from what i know it's virilization is slim to none man i i don't know where he's getting his information from where he's going for masteron and and anadrol for a girl who's only ever run anavar one time there's a bad news man yeah i mean I, I don't think you can say that masteron has no virilization uh and primo and too I would definitely be looking yeah, I mean, Primo is generally well tolerated. It, it's the milder, isn't it? Well, it's the mildest of all the injectables, to be fair. Sure. But that's what that's why it's mild in effect as well. Um, but then females don't need huge doses to get impacting, which is why it's a good choice for females, because low physical impacting, but enough to push a female where you want them to be. Um, but, I, I, yeah, mass wouldn't be one of my first thoughts for a female. And what about too? Like, what's every female is unique, right? So, what are, what side effects could happen? Well, I mean, you know, like what? Well, let's yeah, this, say there's going to be some girls that are already getting some facial hair growth. They've been dealing with it since they hit puberty. And if you give that girl an anabolic steroid, the chances of them getting more facial hair growth is going to be a lot higher. Say because they're they're predisposed to it, just like a, a guy who always gets acne. You know what I'm saying? Then he goes on gear, and mm. guess what? Are you surprised when he breaks out? No, man. It's like what his body wants to do. So I would say 
where is she at in that like that spectrum you know because those things are going to be what leads to more side effects and my thought would be how did she do on the anivar because he didn't mention anything about that and if she did great on it why are we going into anything else it doesn't sound like that she's an advanced person this is her second cycle i would say what happened the first time that would be my first questions was it a terrible experience or was it great you know if it was great then why not just do the same thing again well, the other—I mean, the, the the thing we're forgetting is as well. To be honest, a female can take any compound they want. Yeah. Um, so can it's a just male. That some of the effect, yeah, some of the effects of those compounds are going to be non-feminine, and, yeah. and that's what most females want to avoid. You know, he I keeps mean, mentioning virilization, though. So I'm assuming that I mean, he, she, she doesn't want. To want avoid it, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some women out there, man, especially like. You know, the real butch lesbians, that they're like, hey, I don't care if I get any side effects. Give me whatever. No. They're not trying to transition, some, but they're just like, hey, I just don't care. That's cool by me, you know? Some of, the, some of them, it's an added bonus isn't it? at the end of the day. Some females are quite happy to, to be masculine in their eyes because right. they don't see it as negative. It's, it's very much down to the individual. Right. Uh, but, yeah, if you're trying to avoid virilization, I, I, my choice would be if I was to say pick primo or mass. I would probably go primo over mass if you're trying to avoid fertilization. Yeah. I'm not particularly, I mean, oxys are a DHT. So they're a progestin, so they react with the progesterone receptor. Um, so there shouldn't be any more virilization from oxymethylone as there should be from Anavar, but it is a more powerful drug. It's going to be a so, lot more androgenic in, and anabolic, yes. isn't it? There's, there's going to be more effects in other ways anyway with that. You know, it, like you say, it, it, is a, it is a much stronger compound, milligram for milligram. So, hey, last thing. What about the, the – so you said keep that cycle of his to 12 weeks. What are your thoughts about him not running it to 16, just out of my own curiosity? I just think it's – I, I don't like long cycles. It's as simple as that. Um, I find that the vast majority of people, not everybody, uh, and he may find a lot of it does depend on how well the cycle is going and how he feels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I find most people start to drop off okay. 10 weeks, 11 weeks, and, and the negatives start to gramp uh, and the progress starts to slow, and it just becomes counterproductive. Okay. So, and you stick it out because of bodybuilders. We're doing a sixteen-week cycle, so we're doing a sixteen-week cycle. Yeah, we 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 are very opposed to ending cycles early, even if they suddenly become no longer productive. We 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 tend to say, "Well, I, I planned twelve, so I'm doing twelve, or I planned sixteen, so I'm doing 16. So it, yeah, there's nothing in it more than in most cases, I find people start to to struggle, sort of after the ten, eleven, twelve-week mark. Um, and I don't find extending those cycles are particularly beneficial. Saying that, if he gets to week 10 or week 12 and he's flying, don't yeah. you crack on, mate. No problem, yeah, you know? that's a good point. Yeah, that you're right. I used to think that. I used to feel that way. Like if you start a 10-week you know, cycle, then it's got to be 10 weeks. But, yeah, you can always pull out at 8. You could always get in a couple more vials and run it to 15. Um, yeah, if... if if you feel good and it's being productive and you're produce, you know, you're progressing week on week, stay with it. 
But if, if things are starting to take a little bit of a negative twist and you're getting that, oh, I do feel a bit run down or I've got a couple of niggles starting, that's every sign under the book that you've, you're done. You've had enough on. Come off. Give it a break. So, hey, at, at uh, FedEx, at the Expo, are you going to have the entire, like, blood tent? Oh, mate, we, we have a new bounce house and it is bigger. Really? That thing mm-hmm. is wild, man. So we we have we have so much going on this year. We we've got Broderick Chavez coming over for the weekend. We've oh, you're got kidding! Nathan, we've got Nathan Styles on the booth. We've got Phoebe Goodwin on the booth. We've got Romana Scottson who, who's competing at Toronto's three weeks later on the. Oh, room. she's coming we've to got, Toronto. She's looking good too. I saw her pictures on Instagram she's recently. Fantastic! We've got Dan Bastic on the stand. We've got Zach Khan on the stand. We've got Jamie yeah, yeah. the Giant on the stand. We've got Andy Bolton on the stand, and he's also attempting an all-time Masters deadlift record. Yeah. Um, we have two point of care machines running, so we can do instant on the spot. Prolactin testing, instant on the spot, immediate results, HbA1c testing, instant on the spot, FBC testing. Holy shit! Plus the IVs, plus the the hormone and vitamin, inje- plus sorry the vitamin injections, plus the blood testing. It's crazy, guys. Like because we don't have that in the US. I remember coming to Dave's uh, booth last time and. People were literally getting phlebotomies done and, you know, getting blood. Re- get, I'm going to drop a pint of blood today, you know, or getting testing we, done, we, getting vitamins. We we even have couriers set up so that the bloods from Friday go to the lab on Friday. The bloods from Saturday go to the lab on Saturday. The bloods from Sunday go straight to the lab on Sunday. So yes. we, we will even be in a position where we'll be getting Fridays and Saturdays results back on Sunday. The only problem is I'm not going to be able to write them up and do the reports, so they're not going to go out to people. But but we we have proper gone to town this year. That's cool, man. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that it's uh, and, that it's coming together like that. I, I hope everybody can make it out. Get pictures with Dave. Yeah, it's Manchester Central Expo, I think it's called, or, or, or City Expo, something Central Arena. Uh, it should be a good do. There's there's a lot of bigger brands there this year. I know Monster are involved. CMP are there. JP's next door to us. Jordan Peters with all his team are there. Okay, cool. Uh, the Stoltmans are there. I, I'm I'm sure um, Terry Holland and, and Big Loz and all those guys are there again as well. There's there's NFM bodybuilding show. There's the Fitex bodybuilding show. The Strong Classic. Um, yes. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a shitload going on. I'm trying to get James Hollinghead, but I don't think he'll be able to come, which is unfortunate, but we we can try. Uh, that'd be cool, um, man. But we've got a good lineup, mate. I'm, I'm really I'm really buzzing about it. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I normally dread expos. Absolutely really? Absolutely fucking dread them. Yeah, I, I did there a lot of work, and, and but for some reason this year I'm, I'm actually I'm actually quite excited about it. That's cool, man. I'm excited for you too. Then, and you've got a bunch of videos you've been posting lately. I noticed uh, for Eval. Yeah, we've we've done some proper content for once. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Where not, are you? Po- not just me and a phone. <laughs> Where are you posting that? I I've seen it on your Instagram, but I I know you guys have a TikTok now. I think you said. Yeah, we have TikTok, so we're, we're pushing, we've got Eval TikTok, so there's stuff going out on TikTok, and then my Instagram and Eval's Instagram, we're, we're pushing it out, and obviously Facebook as well. That's cool. But yeah, we're, we're, 
we're doing if so we i shouldn't have really announced all those athletes because we're supposed to be announcing them every week <laughs> oh shit <laughs> and i'm just give, giving everybody the full list but fuck it yeah well we're there <laughs> Well, it's good. It gives people the motivation to go. You know what I mean? If if they find out and it's like two days away, they'd be like, oh, man, if I knew this guy was going to be there, then I would have came out. You know, now they know ahead of time. Andy's only there on the Saturday. Jamie's only there on the Sunday. Nathan Phoebe are there all weekend. Dan and Romana are there all weekend. And obviously, um, Zach. I don't know. What, oh, Charlie. Big Charlie Hammond. Oh, wow, mass nice. Monster. The masked monster is going to be there. Man, he's scary as hell in person. I'm sure with his added size, he's... He's, uh, fucking, he's fucking huge, mate. By the way... <laughs> that's me. The last episode, you're like, oh, I don't know if you'd want me to post that picture that we had already showed. I put a... I blotched <laughs> out his face so nobody could see what he actually looked like. Yeah, he did He did actually say thank you for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, Charlie's a good guy. He's there all weekend as well, and he is looking huge. Yeah, yeah, he's looking big. I mean, he looked big before when I saw him in person, but you can see from the pictures, man. He's how like how how much bigger is he from last year now? Oh, he's he's got to be a good fifteen pound up, but he's leaner as well. So yeah. net gain net gain's been huge. He is massive at the moment. That's cool, and that's cool that uh, Jamie's going to be out there. We, you know, we spent like the whole week together out in Fibo, and he's just such a fun guy to hang out with. Anybody who comes up to him at the booth, he'll just strike up a conversation, take pictures, and talk. And he's like, he's a very approachable person. He's a very approachable giant, you know. He he is he is he's uh, he's actually got quite a wicked sense of humor as well. When you get him, you know, on yeah. his own, he, he, yeah, you have a real good laugh with him. But, we yeah. had him on the podcast. And obviously, Zach is going to be uh, <laughs> there as well. <laughs> yeah, he's a trip. So uh, people that, love that the should, episode with Zach, but they love that episode that with them. Yeah, that should be fun. I, like, I, I, I enjoy Zach. I've got a lot of time for Zach. You guys, people were like, oh my God, it's like we have Dave times two on this episode when, when Zach was on. <laughs> I think we're filming this Friday for. Uh, chemical warfare. I think we're doing some film content training this Friday. Oh, no kidding. That's cool. Yeah. Get some behind the scenes of that. And uh, you know what? You should send me one of those, one of the videos you guys have done. We could put it in as a commercial in the middle of the show. I'll, I'll fire some stuff across for you. Uh, right. Yeah, we've got a, actually um, a, a sort of Eval Ad video. I'll send you that. Yeah, yeah. Send me that. All right, cool. I'll drop it in. It'll be awesome. All right, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. Of course, we talked about eval. You can go there for all your lab work, um, evalbloodanalysis.com. Of course, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. Uh, you can go to the Strom Classic. Is that what it's called at Fit Expo? That's going to be the Strom yeah, Classic. Strong, yeah. And uh, you know, classic. check out everything that Strom does. They have a lot of really great health supplements and performance stuff, uh, especially if you're in the UK, easy to access them. Uh, and of course, supplementsource.ca for Canadians and Amino Asylum, code THINK, and I can't talk about that link. All right, guys, we'll see you soon. So the customer will arrive at the clinic, be it a physical clinic or a gym clinic, the mobile clinic. The phlebotomist will then take the blood sample. Once a blood sample has been taken and the colour of tube denotes the type of testing we are doing. These are then labelled and then they are sent to the lab. Once they arrive at the lab, they are open, processed and set onto the system. And then as you can see, the individual samples go into the various machines 
to do the required tests. Once the testing is complete, the results are then collated and then the software converts that into the format at which the customer actually receives. We then get the results and off the result we then prepare a report explaining any levels that are out of range or close to out of range and how they can be dealt with.